morning, church. Oh, we still need to get some iced coffee in there, huh? At that time, Jesus went through to the grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry, and they began to pluck heads of grain and to eat. But when the Pharisees saw it, they said to him, Look, your disciples are doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath. He said to them, Have you not read what David did when he was hungry, and when those who were with him, how he entered the house of God and ate the bread of the presence, which it was not lawful for them to eat, nor for those who were with him, but only for the priests? Or have you not read in the law how on the Sabbath the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath and are guiltless? I tell you, something greater than the temple is here. And if you had known what this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice. You would have not condemned the guiltless, for the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. He went on from there and entered their synagogue. And a man was there with a withered hand. And when they asked him, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? So that they might accuse him, he said to them, Which one of you has a sheep? If it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will not take hold of it and, fill and lift it out? Of how much more value is a man than a sheep? So it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to the man, Stretch out your hand. And the man stretched out his hand, and it was restored, healthy like the other. But the Pharisees went out and conspired against him how to destroy him. Thanks. Would um, Good morning. Would it be all right if I just pray a little bit? I just, I wasn't planning on it, but just hearing those words again. I was planning on praying. Sorry. I wasn't planning on praying right now. Jeez. I really, guys, are, I've already lost the crowd. They're like, we're out. We're out of here. Let's just pray. Father, we're just so thankful for your word that we're not left to guess what you're like. We thank you for your love that we've been singing about. And we thank you for proving that love by sending Jesus, your son, from a throne of endless glory to a cradle in the dirt. Lord, it's just incredible. The gift that you've given us in Jesus and his words to us today, we receive today. We open our hearts to receive from you today. Pray you'd build us up. Lord, strengthen us. We want to be strengthened today in you. We want to leave here today knowing you, Jesus, a little bit better. Being closer to you today, I pray. Ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So like Sammy said, sorry, Sam, do you go by Sam here? Okay, okay, sorry. Samuel, doc, <laughs> as Dr. Samuel said. Yeah, exactly. As Sammy said, I'm Mike. I get to serve, uh, yes, for, <laughs> um, I get to serve uh, Radiant Tulare from afar most days. I, I work for Radiant Church as the operations director, so I get to work with Jared on all the fun stuff like, kids' check-in systems and emailing systems and all that fun stuff. But every now and then I get to come here and be with you guys, and I always love it because, uh, well, one, there's always, like, new people every time I come, like, without fail. One day I might come here, and it's like, okay, I know everybody. But so far, you guys are batting a 1,000 for new faces showing up. It's just awesome. I love what God's doing here at, at Radiant Tulare. It's just it's fun, and it's fun to be a part of that family. So I'm glad to get to be here with you today. Um, I was told by Mark to keep my sermon short. Like, that was my only instructions. Like, he's like, it gets hot around 10, so keep it short. So, but he's not here today. So, um, speaking of short, uh, I am wearing shorts today. I don't normally wear shorts while preaching, but again, Mark's not here. But he's, he probably wears shorts, so. 
Um, but I was like, gosh, I'm a, if you preach outside, you're allowed to wear shorts, right? It feels right. And I, yeah, anyway, my wife bought me these too, so I think they're a little too short, but she promises me up on me yet. Like, for, I'm like, whatever, just these shorts work. But she's like, no, they look cute. I was like, no, they don't. But she's just, she won't give up on me. She's like still, she doesn't want me to have ear hair or like gross-looking shorts. So she's like, committed. At what point do wives just give up? I just wonder. Is it never? Okay. I'm waiting. I'm just like, just, babe, I'm going to have hairy ears, and I'm going to look like a dad one day. So you just got to let it go. But anyway, I'm a, uh, she's not here either to defend herself. She's a great woman. She's, she's a great woman. Um, so uh, our text today, we're looking at... Uh, Jesus getting into trouble on a a day that's called Sabbath. So that's what we're going to be looking at today. And I just want to start with a question, if if I could. A rhetorical question. Please don't answer this. I don't want to be interrupted right now. This is a me talk, you listen kind of situation. But but just think about what is the most valuable thing that you have? Or maybe the most valuable thing that you wish you had. Just, Just think about it. What is it? Money? Is it family? Is it a four-week trip to Scotland touring distilleries and historical sites? Or that, I mean, that's very specific to me, probably not on your list. But is it your talents, your abilities that you have, maybe a certain possession that you have or you wish you had, your health? Usually, I mean, what, what is the most valuable thing for you? What's your heart longing for right now? I would uh, assert that I think the thing that maybe shows up on all of our lists as we're ranking things is time. I think time might be the most universally valuable thing to us because it's the great equalizer, right? It's the one thing that you and I have in common with Jeff Bezos, right, or Elon Musk or Queen Elizabeth or Beyonce, whichever queen you prefer, you know, I don't care, but... I mean, honestly, these people, we don't have any, maybe you have things in common with them. I have nothing in common with those people except that we all have 24 hours in a day. Every one of us wake up, we have 24 hours in a day. And therefore, I think time is valuable. And so today, Jesus is addressing our orientation and our relationship with time. Um, And I got to admit, this is one of the more convicting sermons I've had to prepare because I didn't have time to, to, to work on a good sermon. I, life was just a little busy, and it was a little bit uh, embarrassing because I was informing God, hey, you need to hurry up and tell me what you need me to say today because I don't have time. <laughs> and I was in a hurry, and it was a little bit uh, convicting because the whole text is about Jesus' orientation to time. So uh, with that in mind, I just have to say from the onset, this will not be an exhaustive sermon on the subject of Sabbath. I think Sabbath is a fascinating topic to dig into and, and, and understand, but this uh, talk will not be like the, the, the be-all, end-all with Sabbath. So if you're interested in diving a little deeper, I want to recommend a few resources to you from the, from the get-go in case you want to uh, get more. Um, one, uh, uh, Travis, who leads the Radiant Visalia, he preached two sermons on Sabbath. He had two sermons to cover this topic. And it's on our um, Radiant Visalia podcast, and it's in, I think, May, if you want to scroll, like May 2019. Sorry, that May, like 
a few years ago, May. So if you want to look those up, that would be a way more exhaustive uh, dive into the subject of Sabbath. Also, two books. Um, the first one is The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by John Mark Comer. Again, I was too busy to read the whole thing, but I read it's an excellent uh, chapter on Sabbath, but the rest of the book looks really awesome too. So, so far, so good. Uh, and then uh, a book... Uh, uh, aptly titled Sabbath. I mean, they really did a lot of like market research with that sub, you know, what should we call the book? How about, wait for it, Sabbath. You know, so it's called Sabbath, Dan B. Allender. Again, read parts of it, too busy to read all of it, but so far, so good. So if you find something in there wonky, let me know. But um, two great books and some sermons. If you want to really dig a little deeper on this um, subject of Sabbath, that'll make me feel a lot better knowing it. I didn't have to cover every single thing today. But from our text today, here's what I concluded. I think that Jesus desires mercy, not sacrifice. And a Sabbath rest is a gift of mercy to us. Sabbath rest is a gift of mercy to us, not a moment for us to sacrifice to God. Okay, that's, that's where I think we're going. That's what I think you'll hopefully see today. Did, did Mark? talk about? Did Mark do the light and easy yoke talk? Did he do that? Okay, cool. Yeah, so we're, we're building upon that, where Jesus invites people, come to me if you're weary and heavy laden. I'll, I'll teach you how to live, Jesus is telling people. And then right from that, he goes into this interaction on the Sabbath. In our story today, we come across this word, Sabbath. We should probably understand what it means. It comes from uh, the Hebrew word Shabbat, and it's referring to a special day of the week. A special day of the week, it has its origins in the very first pages of the Bible uh, when God, we, f- we, we are introduced to this creating God who's creating this marvelous world, and all the creating part takes place in six days, and then God does this peculiar thing, and he takes a day off. Not because he's tired or worn out, he just does it. He pauses to enjoy all that he's created. On the seventh day, he rests. So that comes in Genesis chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. I'll read it. It says, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the hosts of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. And then the Bible story continues, uh, and God gives his special people, Israel, what's known as the law. And the, like, the, the heart of the law are something called the Ten Commandments. Maybe you're familiar with the Ten Commandments. Number four of the Ten Commandments is the longest of the commandments, and that is the commandment that gets Jesus in trouble today. It's the commandment that puts this day of rest that God took in creation and like codifies it into law and says, okay, you should remember the Sabbath day, because God has made it holy. Um, and that word Sabbath, the, the, the word Sabbath literally just means stop, cease. That's, it's like this is the stop day, the cease day that God has put into place. And it was and still is a vitally important day for a faithful Jewish person to love God and remember the Sabbath. And it takes place for them on sundown on Friday, that's when it starts. The sun goes down on Friday. That's when the Sabbath starts. And it lasts until sundown on Saturday. And even in our culture today, we still have echoes of this ancient tradition. Maybe you've noticed, like me, how weird it is that on our super modern iPhones or maybe your super modern wall calendar, 
the day, the week is oriented around a Saturday Sabbath. Has that ever, it's always struck me as odd because I was trained to think what day of the week starts, what, what the, day, the week starts on Monday, right? And it's always annoying to me why the calendar starts on Sunday. Because if I'm doing something on a weekend, I have to like draw a line starting there. Then I got to go down there. It's just like, this is weird. Why'd they break up the weekend? Well, it's Sabbath. It's oriented around a Saturday and a seventh day, end of the week. That's uh, our calendars still look like that. Um, and uh, so it's, it's an ancient tradition, uh, but it is, I think my opinion, is that it's still um, important. And so we're going to be looking at why this day got Jesus into trouble. So in Matthew's account of Jesus that we've been studying, uh, momentum is really starting to pick up. It's like you can just feel it, like a wave is about to crest. And uh, Matthew's gospel this whole time is showing us that Jesus is the one who has all authority in heaven and on earth. He's king. That's what Matthew's trying to get up through to us. Jesus is the king of a kingdom, and he's exercising that authority over sickness by healing. He's exercising that authority over nature, calming storms. He's exercising that authority over, like, the spiritual realm, casting out demons from people. And the message of Matthew so far is loud and clear. Jesus is the son of man, which at first glance is like a real pedestrian term for Jesus, like son of man, big deal. Because it literally means son of a human, which we're all like, well, yeah, join the club, Jesus. We're all, we're all that. But because of how that phrase is used in the Bible, like places like the book of Daniel, the son of man is this long, hoped for, messianic, even divine figure who is supposed to institute God's rule on the earth. And Jesus is saying over and over again, I'm the son of man, wink, wink. Like he's kind of like, yeah, I'm a human like you, wink, wink, son of man. Read Daniel. You know, it's like Matthew's trying to get through to us. This is the son of man bringing in a kingdom. And in our text today, Jesus and, our, and his disciples and apparently others, are, they're walking to church or synagogue on the Sabbath uh, as they probably did every week. And they get hungry along the way. They need a little snack. So they start picking heads of grain. And then up pops these Pharisees who are like the religious all-stars of the day. Like they're the, the best. I mean, if, if anybody is getting all their stars on the star chart at ch- church, it's the Pharisees. They're just knocking it out of the park. And they just pop up out of nowhere. Is it, I don't know if they're hiding in the grain field, like waiting, like one day we will catch him harvesting on the Sabbath. Or if they, maybe they're walking with him. But the disciples are picking grain and they go, ha, we caught you breaking the fourth commandment, doing what's not lawful. They drop that real bombshell word on Jesus, thinking he might not know the law. They say, you're not doing what's lawful on the Sabbath because you're harvesting. You're doing work. It wasn't breaking the law to eat grain, but they were harvesting the grain. That was the, it was like little, they caught them there on that minor detail. Um, And then uh, Jesus responds to them. And with a couple of stories from the Old Testament that would have been familiar to them. One about David and his disciples, or his, his men, that were traveling and they ate the bread of the presence, which was like the special bread baked just for the Sabbath that common people weren't necessarily supposed to eat. So he says, well, David and his men did that. And then he, he, he also, Jesus replies to the Pharisees with a, a part where God makes allowances in the law for some people to do work. He says, hey, the priests work on the Sabbath and God doesn't count them as guilty. Or, you know, it's like, are the, is the priest's work like so much better than everybody else's work? So 
obviously God makes some allowances for work on the Sabbath. Um, but then the real mic drop comes when Jesus says that something greater than the temple is here, referring to himself and his kingdom. And you can almost hear the Pharisees' robes starting to tear. They're like getting ready for their big like blasphemy yell. Like they're just like, here it is. Like, because they're just like all plugging their ears. I can't believe he's saying that he's better than the temple. But then Jesus sneaks in another zinger by dropping this line from one of their prophets, Hosea, that says, I desire mercy and not sacrifices. That's Hosea speaking on behalf of God, saying that God desires mercy, not sacrifice. But then, I mean, Jesus can't help himself. Here comes like the real knockout punch, the haymaker, when he says, the Son of Man himself is Lord of the Sabbath. Now, this is Jesus' first direct confrontation with the Pharisees in the book of Matthew. He's going to have a plenty of them from here on out. But this is his first direct one. He has an indirect argument with them a couple of chapters ago in, in chapter 9, where the disciples asked Jesus, or sorry, the Pharisees asked Jesus' disciples, uh, they're not fasting. They asked, them, they, hey, why aren't you guys fasting? Um, and there's a link between these two stories in Matthew 9 and Matthew 12, and it's the book of Hosea, the same the same phrase, I desire mercy and not sacrifice. In chapter 9, Jesus tells the Pharisees, hey, go learn what Hosea 6, 6 means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. And now in this story, in Matthew 12, he says, if you had learned, if you had known what that meant, you wouldn't be condemning my disciples right now. That God desires mercy and not sacrifice. By referencing Hosea 6, 6, Jesus is saying real clearly what his position on the Sabbath is. That he, it's a day of mercy. And the Hebrew word for mercy is way better than our English word for mercy. The Hebrew word is hesed, which is like so robust. It, it literally, it's like, it means like covenant love, faithfulness, like long-suffering love, like the love between spouses kind of love, like mercy. God desires hesed, not sacrifice. And so, by Jesus including these Old Testament stories that he does, David and the, 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 about this reference to the temple, um, he is flatly saying that someone greater than David is here. And David's their favorite guy. He's their favorite king. And Jesus is also saying something greater than the temple is here. That was their favorite place. That was like their special place. And he's saying something greater than the Sabbath day is here. That was their favorite day. How can he be greater than all these things? Well, because he's Lord. He's Lord of the Sabbath. And as Lord of the Sabbath, he hereby declares that the Sabbath day is meant for a day for good for people. Not a day for them to be good for God. As Lord of the Sabbath, he's saying the Sabbath day is meant to be a day that's good for you. And he's giving the people their Sabbath day back. He is the Lord of the Sabbath, and he desires mercy and not sacrifice. Mercy and not sacrifice. When the gospel writer Mark records the same story, he includes Jesus putting this phrase in there that really summarizes it well. In Mark 2, chapter 27, Jesus says, The Sabbath was made for people, was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. We weren't created to serve the Sabbath. The Sabbath was created to serve us. And boom goes the dynamite. You can just, I mean, it's just like, wow, mind-blowing what Jesus does. And then 
Next, though, Jesus, dem- so that's his position on Sabbath, but then he shows them what it looks like by healing a guy on the Sabbath in church. And this guy didn't ask to be healed. He's just there minding his own business, going to church, and then Jesus wants to heal him on the Sabbath to show this Pharisees that the Sabbath is a day that's meant to, for, for good, to do good to people, not a day for you to be good to God or to come under some legalistic burden or weight. So after these interactions, the Pharisees are no longer bugged by Jesus or annoyed by him. They are incensed. It says they decide, they go off to plot how to destroy him. They are now plotting how to kill him over a spat about a special day. We're kind of like, hey, what's the big deal? Well, it's not just because they're interpreting the law differently or the Sabbath day differently. It's because Jesus is saying that he is Lord. He's demonstrating his lordship. And for them, that's just a bridge that's too far. And they want to destroy him now because of blasphemy, because he is putting himself in the position of God as the son of man, this messianic figure that's instituting God's rule on the earth. And Jesus is far too merciful of a Lord for them to handle. I mean, it just drives them nuts. He's Lord and he's a merciful Lord. So that's the text in front of us. So does Sabbath still matter? That's the question I'm asking. Because if you're like me, I'm not of Jewish ancestry. So should I be following this ancient practice? Is it still something that we should be uh, looking to as a spiritual discipline? Well, I, I do think the Sabbath practice still matters, and I think it matters for a few reasons. Actually, four reasons. What do you call four? Three is a few. Four. A number of reasons? Several. Thank you, Educator Bobby. Several reasons. So several reasons I think the Sabbath matters for us today. One, it fends off idolatry. Uh, two, it, it, it's a day for us to enjoy freedom. Three, it's a day for us to value our work. And four, a day to receive mercy. So a day to, re- to help us fend off idolatry. Remember Sabbath, the practice was in the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments, the law in general, was to help Israel worship God and love God instead of loving other things. That's what idolatry is. When you love other things in place of God. So by setting aside 24 hours a week, we fend off our enticement uh, toward other loves to make other things more valuable. It's a day, it's, a, it's an interruption into our heart's tendencies toward idolatry. It's like a forced like, pause to remember, oh yeah, I was meant to love God and love him with my whole heart. So we fend off idolatry. It's a day to enjoy freedom. The, the book of Deuteronomy is a retelling of the law. And when they retell, when in the Deuteronomy, when they retell the Ten Commandments, in that version, the reason Israel's commanded to remember the Sabbath is because God, God tells them, I want you to remember that you were once slaves in Egypt. And if you think about it, people who are enslaved don't get a day off. And how amazing for these people now they're set free and God's saying, hey, good news, you get a day off. Only free people get to rest. And you and I are free. We've been made free in Christ. And so we practice Sabbath because we're free. And it's a day to remember, oh, we're free. We don't have to work all day every day. Uh, It also helps us value our work. I think work is way more productive when it has limits. I've noticed that when I'm aiming to take a day off a week to focus on Jesus and rest, that I'm way more productive. But I think we're so busy most, most of the week. And I think we're busy because we're lazy. And you're like, no way. I'm busy because I'm hardworking. Nope. 
We're busy because we're lazy. We're too lazy to set and keep priorities for six days out of the week. So then our work tends to blend and bleed over into the seventh day of the week. And we feel just we're, we're trying to do too much than we have time to do. And so we're busy. And I think work is way more productive. I love work. Work is not the problem here. But work is so valuable that it belongs in its proper place six days a week. Six days a week. I also think uh, Sabbath uh, is important because it's a day to receive mercy. Again, Jesus desires mercy and not sacrifice. And here's the deal. Our hearts were made for eternity. Like there, there was a, a really wise saint from way back when who was asked, like, what would satisfy the human heart? And his response was everything. That's true. I mean, like, honestly, it's like, hey, if I'm going to get six days of vacation, it would be awesome. Seven days of vacation. Well, if I'm going to have seven, I could handle ten. You know, if, I mean, if we're going to get to Tahiti, we might as well spend the whole month. You know, it's like our hearts have unlimited, the unlimited ability to, like, we're never satisfied. And that's because we we're made for eternity. God made it that way. And so it's a mercy to us to rest one day a week because it reminds our hearts that we're set in this world full of limits and to aim that eternity-craving heart toward Jesus and not take it to all these other things like vacation and work and money and relationships because we'll just crush those things because those things can't handle our eternity-craving hearts. They're going to disappoint us. I don't care what vacation you take this summer. Like, give it two weeks and all its good work will be done. I mean, it just won't be enough. It's never enough. It was never meant to be enough. Jesus, the Lord of the Sabbath, was meant to be enough. And one day a week, we orient our hearts toward him to receive this gift of mercy that, oh, yes, my heart craves eternity, but here I am in this world full of limits. And I'm going to remember that, oh, there's a limitless God who loves me and desires mercy, has said, steadfast love more than sacrifice. I love this quote from that book I read one chapter from, uh, John Mark Comer. He says, the Jesus tradition would offer this. Human desire is infinite. Because we were made to live with God forever in his world, and nothing less will ever satisfy us. So our only hope is to put desire back in its proper place on God and to put all our other desires in their proper place below God. Our hearts were made for an infinite capacity to love things, and we need to orient that toward God, and Sabbath is an opportunity to do that. Now, that's why it matters, but how on earth can we practice it today? Because I don't know if you know this or not. We're living in a world that's way different than when Jesus was walking around on planet Earth. I mean, one, he was walking to church. I mean, honestly, how many of you would have had enough time to do that today? you got to leave early if you're going to walk to church, right? I mean, you got to plan that in your day. Pace, the pace of life was a little bit slower. Would you, would you agree with me when Jesus was on planet Earth? So is it possible to honestly practice a Sabbath rest in the world that we live in? a 24-7 world like we live in. Well, I think it's possible. Um, I, was, I started to intentionally try to practice the discipline of Sabbath about six years ago. And six years ago, we were in uh, uh, Sacramento planting a church. Our family was up there. And I, this is how things normally change for me. I heard a teaching from a guy I really respect, and I came home I'm like, we're going to do this, babe. And I just like bulldoze it into the family like, we're going to get a day of rest and just bulldoze it, and it's like, that didn't go over super well, um, but during that time, I was teaching middle school Monday through Friday, and then we were planting a church in our house on Sundays, so you can imagine that Saturdays were not exactly a peaceful walk in the meadows with Jesus, like I thought that the Sabbath should be, 
Um, our typical Sabbath started on Saturday with us waking up to a good old-fashioned marital disagreement because we had, dis, we had different ideas for how we were going to spend this day off. And so, uh, and in case you're wondering, fighting with your spouse is not a great way to start the Sabbath. Um, but we have carved out some good ground as a family. We're still trying. I would say I'm getting about a C minus in the department of Sabbath. So not great, but still passing. And at least I'm enrolled in the class. So I'm, I'm thankful to be enrolled in the class. But please don't think that I'm some shining example of like Sabbath. Uh, but I'm trying. And the framework that I found that is helpful for Sabbath is stopping, resting, embracing, and delighting. So stop, rest, embrace, and delight. Now, if I was a good preacher, I would have made that spell something instead of shred. I was thinking, like, could I sneak an H word in there so it's shred? But I was like, do you really want to shred the Sabbath? Like, yeah, we're shredding the Sabbath. But anyway, so it's not an acronym, but it's close. Shred. Stop, rest, embrace, and delight. Now, I didn't come up with this. I took a couple different authors and kind of mashed them together. Um, So, again, not that smart, but... um, I found this helpful. First, on Sabbath, if you want to practice Sabbath, you got to stop. The word Sabbath literally means to cease. You got to stop. And this is your moment to say that the world will be fine if you don't work for a day, which I know you don't think is true, but it's true. And I would say for about 92, maybe 93% of you in here, Sundays would be a great day to do this because it's kind of already built in. If, I mean, you're here at church, so I'm preaching to the choir. Um, you already have kind of carving out a part of your day to worship Jesus. Sundays would be a great day to do that. I work most Sundays, so Sundays doesn't work for me to do. So I try to do this on Saturdays. Um, again, getting a C minus. If you would have saw my day yesterday, you'd be like, what is this guy doing talking to us about Sabbath? I was thinking that all day. I was like, I can't believe this. I'm at a swim meet all day and yelling at my kids and going to bed late. And anyway, C minus. Um, but you got to stop. You got to have a day where work can't reach you, emails don't get answered, and you just stop it. You got to, and sometimes it'll feel like hitting the eject button. Has anybody seen Top Gun 2 yet? Okay, great. Got eject on my mind. I mean, it's like things are going bad. It's like, you know, nobody plans to hit the, none of those pilots are like, we're going to fly, and then about 30 minutes, we're going to hit the eject button. Eject button's just like, you got to do it. And most of your Sabbaths will feel like that at first. You're just like, well, I didn't finish everything that I needed to do this week. But it is Sabbath. Eject. And hopefully you're like more like Maverick than Goose um, on your eject button. Um, goose dies. Sorry. If you haven't, I mean, this, that, the movie's like 30 years old. If you haven't seen it by this point, I mean, I, I'm sorry. I can't be held responsible for that. No, anyway, sorry. Um, um, not, not, this, is not, this is Top Gun 1, not 2. I will not spoil 2 for you. It is, that is a fine piece of cinematic art. I will not spoil it for you. Um, you got to hit the eject button. And I, just a note to pe- parents of young kids. I mean, like I said, it's not going to feel like Saturdays or Sundays. It's not this peaceful moment where it's like the birds are chirping and the kids are obedient and, you know, your spouse just read your mind about your favorite food that you want prepared. It just doesn't happen that way. Some of you work all week and then you wake up on your day off to spend all day with your kids. And it's like, how is this a day off? It's not. Sabbath is not just a day off. It's something different. And I, I want to tell you, it's possible to Sabbath rest as, with young kids. It doesn't look real 
peaceful all the time, but it's possible. Just remember, it's a day of mercy. Give yourself mercy as a parent. It's not a day to get perfect or to, to just become like the, the prototypical like Christian family. It's a day of mercy. Receive mercy as a parent on that day. But no matter your station of life, one day a week, you got to stop. You're not going to Sabbath if you don't first stop. And then you got to rest. Um, how does it look to rest? you got to breathe a little bit slower, maybe sleep in if you can. Um, one of my favorite Sabbath practices is to give my phone a rest because I've noticed it's my phone's fault most days when I can't rest. So I love, one of my favorite Sabbath practices is to power down my phone on Friday night and not turn it back on until Saturday night or maybe if I'm feeling real crazy Sunday morning. I love to do it. And you're like, you turn off your phone one day a week? I do. I didn't yesterday. Again, C minus. But um, yes, and it's re- I, first time I was like, I can't live without this thing for a day. And then after practicing, I was like, yes, I can. I can't wait to turn you off. And it's funny how often I still pick it up, even though it's turned off, and I push the button. I'm like, why isn't it work? Oh, yeah, it's off. Uh, it's off. So um, you got to rest. I've heard that naps are good for Sabbath. I personally am not good at napping, but naps can be good, too, for Sabbath. So you got to rest, stopping, resting, and then you embrace. This is the worshipful part of Sabbath, where you embrace the reality of God in the world. So coming to church, worshiping Jesus in song, hearing the, the word taught, that's a great part of Sabbath. It's worshipful. You embrace. It's a day to reorient, because I don't know if you notice this, but six days a week we're swimming in a world that is feels kind of upside down to the kingdom of God. And one day a week we got to embrace the, the true kingdom, the true kingdom, and embrace that God is true, meaning we carve out time to learn from Jesus, sit with Jesus, and, and, and focus on Jesus. How does it look to embrace God? Well, another thing that I like to do before I power down my phone, I use an app called the One Minute Pause. And it's misleading because they have like different time. You can do like a three-minute or a five-minute. But it's a great app to just be prayed, to be led in prayer. And to remember how true Jesus is and to receive him and breathe him in deeply. And so you got to have little practices that help you um, breathe in God on Sabbath. And don't be afraid of repetitious things. I know like sometimes we think like repetition equals religion and we don't want to be religious like those Pharisees. But uh, I love this quote from James K.A. Smith that says, there's no formation without repetition. There's no formation without repetition. There's no habituation without being immersed in a practice over and over again. That's why I think God commanded it. One day a week, rest. Because if you do that over time, you start to be formed in that way. That's why families are way better at making disciples than churches. Because we get, I get my kids seven days a week. So like it or not, Levi, my 12-year-old, is going to act a lot like me not like his youth director that he sees once a week, you know? Like, it's just because of repetition, right? It doesn't have to be religious just if we do it over and over again. It can be very life-giving to do things over and over again. So we embrace, and then we delight. This is my favorite part. This is my favorite part of Sabbath. You got to delight. You got to just revel in the goodness of God on Sabbath over and over again, week after week. We become more like our Father who delights in his creation. He rested one day a week, not because he was tired, because he wanted to just soak it in. He just like sets up his lawn chair and is like, what did I create? Oh, look at this. So we, are, we become like God when we delight. 
when we delight in things that are delightful. Just think of Sabbath as like a mini Christmas once a week. Honestly, like I like to find like there's special like food I'll only eat on Sabbath. Not because God told me it's wrong to eat, but it's because like I just want to like have the anticipation. Like I can't wait to eat this thing. I I, I have a, a certain playlist on my computer that I will only listen to on Sabbath. I, I really like jazz music, like specific jazz music. So when my kids hear like Miles Davis's trumpet coming through, they're like, oh, it must be Saturday. And it's like, not. I love jazz, but it's like, oh, I love it even more if I just limit it to this one day to just breathe in life's goodness. And you got to feast. I mean, I would highly recommend you don't diet on the Sabbath. I, I, you know, it's a day of feasting. Uh, you got to have a special meal probably. Again, not fancy, but just special where you just eat a little bit slower and have one more piece of bread or a second helping of pasta if you're like me. It's like, well, it is Sabbath, so more noodles for dad. Um, you got to savor in life's joys one day a week. And playfulness is good on Sabbath. Like just, I don't know, board games or going hiking. Um, what, what do you like that kind of makes you feel like a kid again? Do that on Sabbath. It's good to do that. You're not too old to do some childlike play. Get Swim, I don't know, and don't swim laps. Like just swim in like odd directions. Just play. <laughs> Honestly, it's good to do that. Play, be playful on the Sabbath. Do something that makes you laugh. I, I think those are good practices. I, uh, my more um, playful friends that God has given me, uh, people, uh, and the most playful of them all is your pastor, Jared Turner. I don't know if you know this about him, but the guy likes to have a good time. He has taught me the spiritual dif- discipline of pleasure stacking. Yes, it's true. And uh, you're like, hey, this, is, this sermon's getting a little weird. Good thing it's almost over. Uh, but again, blame Jared. He taught me this. So pleasure stacking is what it sounds like. So you don't just eat Oreos on Sabbath. You eat Oreos while in bed. And you eat Oreos while in bed while watching a rom-com. And you eat Oreos while in bed while watching a rom-com while snuggling. It's like all these things are great, but like let's do it all together. And it's even better. You stack those pleasures together. Like you find things that are enjoyable and do them all at once. I happen to take my longest showers ever on Sabbath. Normally I don't like wasting water or paying higher bills. That's my nature is to kind of um, pinch pennies. But one day a week, I take a long shower just because. Sorry if you work for the city. Don't wait. City Tulare can't ticket me, right? Invite site. Okay, good. <laughs> um, because it's just you gotta you gotta have moments where you just do delightful things. Find things that make you laugh, that are delightful, and do them one day a week. Stop, rest, embrace, delight. Your soul is designed for these things. This is how your soul works. God knows it, and he built in a weekly rhythm for you to do that. So as we wrap up, um, the, I, we're going to sing, I think. You guys have another song? Yes. Come on up. Let's do this. Um, I think a question to ask and to ponder as we respond, um, is Jesus Lord of your time? This really valuable thing, is he Lord of it? Is he Lord of the Sabbath for you? And again, if he's not, no condemnation. This is a work. This is, a, this is an ongoing uh, discipline to learn. And how awesome is God that he gives us a discipline of once a week a day off? I mean, what kind of God would do that? It's amazing. I mean, this is a good Lord that we serve. Jesus is a merciful Lord. He desires mercy and to show you mercy, not for, to receive sacrifice from you. 
Or maybe there's things that you feel enslaved by that you're just like, I can't take a day off because of this or that or this. Maybe offer those to Jesus as we're worshiping today. Just, just be, let's be open-handed with our time today. And we're going to respond as, as, as we often do by having, having communion as we sing. And as we sing, and as you're ready, I'd, I'd invite you to come over and get communion. Do we do it all together? I'm sorry. Can they just come? Okay, great. Um, yeah, just as we're singing, make your way to the table. Because that meal is a great time for us to remember that Jesus carried our heavy burden. He carried our heavy burden. He came under the weight of our sin and shortcoming and bore it for us so that we could receive mercy. I mean, that is remarkable. And this meal is a tangible reminder of that. As we take the bread, we remember his body that was broken. He didn't deserve it. He was Lord of the Sabbath, but he stepped into our messy, busy worlds and bore the weight of it. And his body was crushed by it. Let's remember that as we eat the bread. And we'll take the cup and remember his precious blood that was poured out. And that blood represents a brand new covenant, a new agreement between us and God. And we get to step in as free sons and daughters. And as free sons and daughters, we get to rest and revel in the glory and the goodness of God once a week. So maybe, and maybe just maybe, this would be like next level sermon application. I know, I mean, first level is taking communion. That'd be awesome. But if you want to like, just be like next level, maybe you had a busy day planned today and God might be inviting you to cancel a couple things. And if you blamed it on COVID, nobody will, I mean, nobody will know. I promise. I mean, that's like, we just got the Trump card just in our back. I'm kidding. Don't do that. Don't do that. But it might be good to cancel some things today. Maybe have a slower day. Or you, I don't know, maybe you're going to catch up on work to get a good start into Monday. Monday, work will be there on Monday. I'm going to delight in God today. I mean, that would be awesome to do today. So would you join me in standing? I want to pray, and we'll open up the table, and we'll focus our attention on Jesus. Jesus, you are so good. We say with our mouths that you are Lord, and you are Lord of the Sabbath. And you desire mercy, not sacrifice. So I, as your kid, receive mercy and not sacrifice. I receive mercy from you today. I pray you'd fill us afresh today with hope. Lord, maybe we've tried this practice before and we're discouraged. I pray you'd fill us with hope today. I pray you'd fill us with confidence in you, Jesus, as we step into new things, as we trust you with our time. Lord Jesus, we look to you. We lean on you. We put all our eggs in your basket today. And we say, we want to do life your way. We love you, Jesus. Amen.